Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are discussing David Boring by Daniel Klaus. You were mentioning you're excited to talk about this. So uh, what made you so excited to talk about David yeah, Boring? It really exceeded my expectations. And, and that's a lot for Amir because I'm a huge Dan Klaus fan. I was a Dan Klaus fan before I even knew I was a Dan Klaus fan because <laughs> I just loved his design of his covers before I was a comic fan. And, and uh, an unverified fact or stat is that Dan Klaus, I have the percentage of signed books. Basically, I have a, the most signatures from any creator, comic book creator, has been from Dan Klaus. Like I have pretty much all of his books that I own signed by him, except David. Oh, no, no, David Boring, too, actually, one of the versions. So you've met him many times then? I've met him many times. He lives in the Bay Area. And then when I was in Seattle, he had a tour up there for when one of his books was released. And then I've also gone to Portland to an event that he was going to be at when he released his eight ball uh, vol uh, compendium volume, the compilation. So like I pretty much almost in inadvertently stalked him. <laughs> not on purpose because he, you know, he's from the bay area so he has signings here and so but yeah i've actually only met him once at short run comics fest here i think that's what it was at no it was in portland at a small show i had a chance to talk to him for 10 or 15 minutes it's really interesting conversation yeah he's great i talked to him briefly a couple of times but um yeah i just love all his books i think there's just this funniness to this dry sense of humor that he has um in his comics it shows and then some of them not this one in particular but anyways i don't want to talk about his other books we'll probably have to do another podcast but i just love his humor although this one is not that much humor or even yeah it's not a humorous book but i just i really enjoyed it there's a lot there's a lot of um allusions to comic book uh, storytelling or even comic book creators comic booking or whatever reading even mm -hmm. um and i have notes on it we can talk about it maybe we can do a summary and then go go deep into this the notes that i took or and or you took sure yeah do you want to do the summaries or do you want me to kind of try and summarize the book do you can you summarize it i mean yeah yeah david boring is a bit of a womanizer but also kind of a loser in life he's mm -hmm. a man in his early 20s who just uh, doesn't really seem to have a direction as we meet him he is uh having sex with a dream girl who uh he just never really seems to have any sort of connection to mm -hmm. um he uh his best friend is a lesbian named dot and they have this very kind of funny relationship with each other that goes back mm -hmm. to high school um, one of his old high school friends comes to visit him kind of out of the blue and is killed. And that's a kind of a plot thread through the book. Uh, David uh, has this complicated fraught relationship with his mother mm -hmm. and uh, even more complicated fraught relationship with his father who uh, left the family when he was a child 
and who he only knows really through this lost or this found comic book. Uh, and the panels in the old comic book kind of reflect David's life back at him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, David becomes obsessed with a woman named Wanda, who he kind of meets on the Uber X or something. And a lot of the second half of the book is about the results of his obsession with Wanda. Mm -hmm. Mixed in it is uh, post a uh, potential apocalypse, um, some other family drama, uh, some ideas around religion, and a really complicated, presented as happy, but I'm not sure it is so happy ending that we need to get to. I love that ending so much. I'm really curious to get your take on it. It's a freaking complicated, like happy, but like what the fuck? I'm sorry, I didn't uh -huh. mean to what the we can, we can say what the fuck. We can say okay, what the, what the <laughs> yeah, double L L double hockey stick. <laughs> like it's yeah, I loved it. I loved it. and it, it is a happy ending. To me, it's a happy ending. Yeah, I'm not so yeah. sure. But let, yeah, we'll get to it, right? Uh, Did I get all the high points in the book you wanted to mention? Yeah. Uh, yeah, is there anything you wanted to mention first or should I jump in? Go ahead and jump in. Um, so I wanted to make some, uh, and you probably have a lot more I'm interested in hearing. More. There's a lot of comic book referencing. Of course, his dad was a comic book artist. He created, and you know, when you talk about comic book artists, oh, by the way, the book's titled David Boring. Do you think that has anything to do with Wayne Boring, the uh, old uh, Superman artist? Well, I'm sorry, Batman artist. Was it Superman Wayne Boring? Artist, yeah. Yeah, Superman, Superman artist. artist in the 50s. Well, I mean, the, he even alludes to that on page two, you know. My father oh, was did. a cartoonist, not the one who drew Superman in the 50s. Oh, okay. And then, but so I've yeah. Been, I've been thinking a lot about like what, why he's called David Boring. Mm -hmm. What what is it about that name that that close why what it shows close choose to call him boring? I mean, his life is pretty boring. I mean, he hooks up with women, but it's boring. I mean, that's every relationship what, he has with women is women is boring, except for yeah. Dot. Exactly. I don't know. I'd like let's get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Opinion on that too. I'll just go through the references that I saw. There's a few of them. Um, Wayne Boring, you know, the reference. Page 93, panel four, there's a end of end is nigh. I don't know if it's alluding to Watchmen, but it gives you that feeling of like, uh, you know, when he's holding the girl, like there's like a, on the, right on the bottom of that panel, there's a little saying that says the end is nigh, kind of mm -hmm. like uh, Watchmen. And then, do you know David has superpowers? David has superpowers? Yeah, he has two superpowers. One is he can tell the, and this is. Oh, yeah. The, he the, can tell the, the shape of a woman's, woman's butt. butt. By yeah. at their face. <laughs> and for a guy who's pretty much, you know, a loser, pretty boring, there's really nothing to him. He's a pickup artist. He can pick up on any woman. And he actually um any woman that he talks to basically goes to bed with him if he wants to yeah or falls in love with him in some way mm -hmm. even like wanda judy who's Wanda's sister um let's talk about dot 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what is so? Okay, I'll talk about maybe I have some notes on Dot too. Think about it. Dot, in my opinion, is in love with David, and that's a that's a direct relation to a superpower because she is in love with David, even though she is not attracted to him in any biological sense because she's a lesbian she's attracted to women but he's got these powers that he even has a somebody who would not be attracted to him at all be in love with them in a weird way i don't know i mean that's that's the story i'm not saying maybe that's what i'm projecting but it's interesting to me that um so that's one thing that I, I, shows his superpower and then i can would you do you want to talk about that relationship? I don't know if you want to break and talk about other things, but do you want to talk about that relationship? Because it's a very interesting, uh, those two characters, they're wonderful, both Dot and David. They're really the emotional center of the book because David's so distant from everybody else. Mm-hmm. When he takes up with Naomi late in, late in the book and she's always bugging him about him never paying attention to her. Yeah. Uh, he and Dot just seem to have this rapport together. Yeah. You know, you see it from the very beginning when she's looking at his scrapbooks, there's this intimacy between them mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it just feels like emotional love between them that David really has no other connection with anybody that yeah. shows love. And I, I think what's interesting to both of them, and I think this is, I mean, I think this book won the Eisner, right? For best. I'm not sure. It may have won. And it, I, it's so nuanced. It's so nuanced that at some points I had to go back and read it over, over, like some of the pages over and over. There's a section in the book where they go to the island where this David narrates and he's all like, oh, by the way, if you get mixed up with the characters, you're going to have to come back to this page. And I did that. I had to go back and say, okay, well, who's doing what? You know, And that, that's not a criticism. It's actually a great thing. Like it's a reread book. But one thing that I noticed yeah. about, I'm sorry, what was that? I was agreeing. Um, one thing I noticed about Dot and David, would love to see what you think, is that they're both in um, attracted to, um, like biologically, physically attracted to, and in love with people who are not available to them. Uh, David, in his case, he's got that perfect woman, right? Like he does, took those clippings as he's that booklet is in love essentially with a woman that a per, quote unquote perfect woman to him, which, which would be his cousin, which is incestual. So naturally it's not you know, available to him. And then also that perfect woman doesn't exist. And finally he finds that perfect woman, at least what he thinks through like, first he thinks it's Wanda who's trying to copy Judy, who's his, her sister. And at the end, that person is not available because she's married to an older David, a mm-hmm. David that looks like David, so she's not available to him. And then Dot is in love with David, which biologically she shouldn't be because she's attracted to women. She's a lesbian. But it's just funny. They're both like, they, but they both like something that really like, so David's case, his cousin, and Dot's case, a man who she would not be naturally attracted to that are not that are not available to him so it's just to me it's interesting that whole idea of love what does it mean what does it mean to be in love and it's not and for david love and sex are like totally different things like sex yeah. is just like a you know eating or you know like 
you know, I don't know. If he, if he yeah. had actually consummated the relationship with Wanda, he probably wouldn't have been obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. But because she played this hard to get, I mean, there's all those panels of him slipping his hand under her underwear when they're hanging out together. Yeah. And that's like so like forbidden fruit kind of thing just makes it so much more tempting to him. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that David is constantly losing out to other rivals, though, for the mm-hmm. affections of these of these women. You know, the husband comes back and beats David up, or the mm-hmm. professor comes in and essentially takes Wanda and the vision of Wanda away from him. He kind of seduces her by talking about her religion with her. Uh, David's kind of striving, and he David also has this extremely detailed list of things that make a woman perfect for her for mm-hmm. him, all the way down to the curvature of her nose, which is just like so bizarrely detailed. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I've had plenty of conversations with friends about their ideal woman and no one is talking about, you know, small insignificant feet or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, David just has this, he's so stuck in his own mind about what he wants, he can't actually achieve what he truly wants, it seems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to me, David's a very, well, you can't argue, it's a really interior character. Mm-hmm yeah it's interesting right like i didn't think about it but it makes total sense was like he loses out or i don't know if he's like with the professor or carcass or whatever he gives up he's like yeah you know he could have her i'm not really into her anyway she's just a copy of what i really want who's judy Mm -hmm. but then with judy like like oh you know i guess the husband beat me up so i'll just give up you know it's a lot of like giving up it also shows in my in a way like he he can you know he hooks up with the first time but then he doesn't really care about it you know not that he neither cares or he just isn't it doesn't last long even like with his girlfriend like his girlfriend was just getting tired of him you know like obviously he likes another woman but really like it was just he's so boring he's not interesting to be with yeah, and that is kind of the dull. I mean, he actually is boring. It's, this is boring David. He, you know, he has aspirations to be a film director. He never actually acts on them. It's mm-hmm. really just more this kind of vague dream he has. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks, it sits about, talks about sitting down to write a script, but he's not actually able to write the script. You can see the scene where he allegedly tries to commit suicide by jumping off the bridge as mm-hmm. being kind of his own kind of mental state. But it's also like so cliched and dull that uh, it doesn't pop off the page in the same way. It just feels like something completely unoriginal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, he is just a, bore, it, it's a weird book, right? Because at the center of this, this is kind of void in a way. Mm-hmm. It's someone who's designed to not be interesting. Mm-hmm. And yet he has this very complex inner life which we're all trained to see of see as an interesting lead character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's something in the contrast with him and the children's comics that seem to have a deeper meaning to him. Maybe this is Klaus thinking in a kind of not satirical, but meta way about mm-hmm. the depth of kind of mainstream comics versus indie comics or uh, art comics Mm -hmm. as being kind of this idea that 
there may be more depth than something that seems to have less depth than there is in something that pretends to have depth. Mm -hmm. And I'm just playing with, with an idea here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, as I was reading him, I, to, I actually, maybe I should have done this more. I didn't see a big correlation between the, I mean, I know there is, the only correlation I could think of on the, you know, on the comic books that his dad drew are that the woman that the superhero likes or is in love with is actually like a villain because like, she keeps on taking her mask off, right? Mm -hmm. That came up multiple times. So I'm just trying to think like, what does that mean? And the other thing that I noticed as I was just thinking about it right now is his mom looks a lot like Wanda, except Wanda has one bun and she's, she's got two buns on her hair. Mm -hmm. I thought I was a little confused in the beginning because I thought that was Wanda, but like, no, it was like his mom. But I don't know if that's on purpose or is it just, uh, I, I choose to think that it's on purpose, the same hairstyle, pulled back hair, you know, with a little bun. If it's on purpose, what's your interpretation of that? The only thing is I can think of is the, the correlation between that and his dad's comic book and that like he has a bad, he hates his mom essentially and he feels guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe underneath that's probably why he can't really commit to any women. Um, and the only one, I mean, you know, can't commit to anyone. And the only one she's, he's technically committed to is the one that's his dot who's in love with him and she's the one who actually saves his ass like he 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 needs other people to take care of him mm -hmm. yeah he can't take care of himself he can't even keep the job at the end right they're getting they're making a living by selling Naomi's rare rare books mm -hmm. rather than him actually having a job he's just ineffectual in his life yeah i think uh there is something to the idea that he's kind of estranged from his mom but in some ways he has this kind of complicated relationship with his mom mm -hmm. because he's he sees his mom as being kind of uh, emotionally distant and having a series of broke or having at least one broken relationship mm -hmm. and sexually frigid and i wonder how much he sees himself projected out a couple of years in his own in his mom mm where um you know he sees himself kind of frozen in space and time in a way unable to connect to anybody mm -hmm. and there's something also in the idea of having your hair and pulling it up in that tight bun it just shows a certain amount of trying to control who you actually are symbolically mm -hmm. and so i see the mom as being this person who's just got this really intense commitment to self-control really for no good reason Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just that that's so much the core of herself and that makes me wonder about you know there's the illusion to her dad being or his dad being a womanizer david following in the footsteps oh yeah and, and then of course david kind of just not really having any deep relationships pretending he has a deep relationship with naomi that never actually lasts and there's all this stuff about them not connecting i wonder if david is well that I, I guess yeah, it feels like David is unconsciously following in the footsteps of his father. 
and yeah. uh, kind of feeling a certain amount of frustration with himself that he can't actually break that train. Mm-hmm. And that's that may lead into why the ending feels so resonant because it feels like he may be breaking that chain. Yeah. The other thing is you mentioned about him not having a job and not really doing anything substantial. Oftentimes, you know, a lot of cartoonists, you think about a lot of them who were work for hire, they just made ends meet just to, you know, on a monthly, you know, month to month comics. Mm-hmm. And his dad tried to branch out with one, you know, his own self-publishing. I think it was self-published, right? The, the comic that he did. Yeah, uh, kind of alluding to that. Yeah. He wrote Andrew it, which is obviously something that Klaus does himself. But not a lot of cartoonists get to do that because you get just because of a lot of different reasons. And so, David, it's I think there is that. Um, there is that uh analogy or the similarity between the two and that like david's just hey we're gonna make a movie but it's not really done and it didn't really finish i want to make a porno movie but like but make it classy but nah it's okay i'm they have all these ideas like artists i know for me like my thing was when i did comedy was i had all these i mean i don't do it anymore and there's a reason for it but like it was always like, yeah, I'm going to do this like hour long set about this. I even there was and you just don't get to it sometimes. And that's that's the thing. And then there's another funny thing was like, I think he says that, like, I'm doing movies because movies are better than comics. I think that's yeah. what he said. Yeah. Which is interesting. He's like, yeah, it's better. But like, well, what have you done? Well, nothing really. I have nothing to show for it, but it's better. I'm trying to do something that's better. You know, and it's just like. It's a little bit of showing, ha, dad, you just worked in comics. I'm working in movies. Yeah. He doesn't have a talent for either one, or at least for comics, for sure. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to try this thing. And then he's not going to do anything. And he's, he's, it seems like a, he's boring, I think, because he doesn't do anything. And I, I think that's, in my opinion, and maybe in Klaus's opinion, you know, a worth of a person is what you're doing you know, not what you're thinking up or just sitting around or, and he, he has this talent or superpower pickup artist or like how to tell what a butt looks like, but um, <laughs> it's use, it's useless. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything for him either. Just makes him more miserable. Did they, uh, now I, I could be imagining this so he um, was there multiple. There's was there another person that he hooked up with that ended up dying. I know it was a it was a lady. The older this is Capon. Yeah, the, other than her though. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe got me wondering. No, I don't think so either. Um, it might have just been a lot of people around him ended up dying. Yeah, like Whitey, his best friend, and who was also a pickup artist too. Yeah, and and David kind of envies Whitey for yeah. his abilities, right? Yeah, the death of Whitey is an interesting thread because he just he comes very quickly and then is killed very quickly, and there's little illusions in chapter three from the detectives. The one detective says, "I think 
I think there's 65 to 70% likelihood David is the killer. Oh, okay. And then we never see that resolved. And like that, that the very specific mathematical equation was really interesting too. Mm-hmm. Why is he 60, 65 to 70% certain he's the killer? And yeah. why does that never actually kind of play out? Can I, there's another thing too, is um, there's a part at the, towards the end of the book where um, here's, this is the, end, the ending, but like when they end up on the island, should, can we talk about the ending? Because there's an allusion yeah. to death then too. I mean, I guess the detectives confront him at the bridge, I should say. Uh, because there's a part in towards the end, that in the book where it says on January 26th, after a period of increasing remorse, Dot finally breaks down. What have I done? She says, I'm a monster. She tells Pamela the whole horrible story about which my cousin remarks, you know, whatever. But, but like, did Dot kill all these people? So if we take the scene on the bridge as real, then Dot kills the police officers. Who are looking to arrest David. Yeah. So it could be a literal interpretation of that. Or could mean almost anything, right? I took it as real. I took it as literal. I don't know why I saw that scene as being so unreal. The scene on the bridge. It's funny. I totally thought of it as a literal but i i could see that because there are clouds in the background yeah and in the clouds you see uh what i, I can't remember the pro- you see the professor and the girlfriend there kind of staring at him waving goodbye yeah i guess i, I for no good reason i say i saw it as a metaphor i felt kind of the, I mean, the last kind of 10 pages of the book just felt so different from what came before I loved it. I thought it was great. That's uh, actually the that's the part of the book I kind of struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, it was very meta. I mean, it was meta too. Uh, the point a- they say goodbye to Wanda, and <laughs> we see this vision of God looking down from the skies. Very interesting looking God too. Oh yeah. And David says he's going to jump off the Oceana Hercules Bridge. It all feels a little dreamlike to me. Mm-hmm. And even when he tries, when he goes to the theater to like tell Judy, you know, like he loves her. There's a lot of like things that happen by chance, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When he gets selected to come up on stage, it's me, of course. Which just feels like, of, of course, it's a coincidence you get to call be called up on stage there has to be some sort of reason behind it and everything feels a little dreamlike in that like there's there's so much of a focus on faces and so maybe we should talk about like what happened perhaps if somebody listening didn't read it yet which hopefully you've read it before you're listening to this but essentially he's in love with a woman wanda who actually copies her sister judy he ends up finding Judy to try to find Wanda. And then he ends up falling in love with Judy, who is the real copy of the perfect woman that he wants. 
and who's married and for complicated situations judy and her husband are at uh at a theater and he goes to watch the show with at that theater and then he gets called on stage and he tells judy that he loves her and then the husband comes and beats the crap out of him and then they both get kicked out it's all just so strange right yeah and then he goes up to the bridge to kill himself because the husband's already beaten the crap out of him mm-hmm. that's part of what makes me feel like it's a bit dreamlike mm-hmm. but i i think that like he's wearing that suit and tie and he's the same one at the bridge you know mm-hmm. i don't know i think I think there's probably obviously there are parts that are dreamlike, like the part where he sees the professor and Wanda and then um, the clouds. But I also think that um, he gets bailed out. He doesn't have to kill himself. I mean, how are you going to kill yourself? Just drop in the water? Yeah. So. yeah. Like jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And he wanted other people to do it for him. He wanted the... Um, but I could see why the the detective kill she kills the detective because the detective stole her girlfriend. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, she's kind of like the the one woman that she she had a relationship with. Thought um, the detective stole her girlfriend, and he's about to kill the person that he loves the most in the world. So that really is a monster, then. Yeah, Dot, I think Dot probably killed Whitey, probably killed, I don't know if she killed, uh, oh, maybe she killed that woman, um, that, the older woman that she had. Mrs. Capon? Mrs. Capon, yeah. Yeah, well, and David tries to throw her, tries to kill her while they're on the island. Mm. He throws her in the water. Not David. Um, oh, you're right. It's Manfred, right? Manfred, yeah. Manfred tries to kill her, throw her off the wall. Yeah. But I don't think she killed Mrs. Capon or Capone. <laughs> I, thought, I read it as Capone, like Al Capone. <laughs> no, I think Mrs. Capon is just like so devastated by everything that's happened to her. But her I could think her little thing with David was just uh, like yeah. the last gasp of life before she killed herself. Yeah. And Manfred, I think, killed her. Oh, you think she killed herself? Hmm. Oh, okay. I think she she made her pass at David. They had the kind of what looked like kind of unsatisfying sex. Oh, and he said, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm done with this. I mean, there's a whole atmosphere on the island of the paranoia about the attacks. Yeah, that's true. I think yeah, she that just helped. was feeling this kind of despair. And what about the whole background around the terrorists and then the airborne pandemic disease? I was going to ask what you made of all that. I don't it, it, know. It's weird how it's this, this tiny little subplot, but it motivates so much of the book. It's, it's so unique in that way. Mm-hmm. It's barely alluded to, and yet people are terrified of it, but it never touches David, really. Yeah, I mean, it never touches anyone we know or see. We see, I mean, we, I think there's a family like um, the hooligan family, you know, hooligan hitches up with a family whose family, whose loved ones are dead from it. But 
but it only lasted a day, according to them. But it was a horrible, tough day. Right. And the fallout kills, looking up his name, Uncle. This is crazy, because I thought that this would have maybe happened after 9-11 or something. Mm-hmm. But the book was published in 98, 99. So there wasn't any, like, you know, terrorist thing, you know? Yeah, and that's what... That's so interesting, isn't it? Because it really reads like a post 9-11 book in some ways. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's this ever-present fear in this world. And yeah, that's from before that, from a relatively peaceful time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uncle August is the character I was thinking of, who wanders to the island during the during the fight, mm-hmm. tells them it's terrible, been, terrible news we've been attacked. They finally done it, bombs everywhere. Oh God, it's horrible, horrible. And then he dies on the island too Mm -hmm. the book kind of reminds me of black hole a little bit yeah thread going on in fact i actually before i read it which uh, i'm embarrassed to say i have three versions of this comic hardcover softcover and in issue format through eight ball and i had not read this story before so fully now you've read it probably more than once and yeah i loved it um and uh should we talk about the ending i want to talk more a little more tell me a little more about why you saw this is similar to black hole just the the dread uh i mean black hole there was a disease going around and um before reading it i i i I actually was like interchangeable because i'd read a little bit of this and i remember there's like a i thought of like um because um, in black hole there's disease that people actually are mutating in this one there's a there's a background of a disease it's not about the story but there's oh it always comes to and this is why they use the island as an excuse to go to to get away from the disease or stay on the island so like so i don't know that was the only thing nothing really okay because i was thinking there's a lot of places where clouds are it looks a lot like um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Charles Burns art. Yeah. There's such similar kind of similar approaches. They, yeah, they obviously take the subject matter differently. Um, they're always dreadful. Like, yeah, I think full of dread. That's fun. a great way to put it. Yeah. There's background, but there's less dread in Klaus, which is why, I mean, I love both of them. I think Burns is a better, I mean, not, I don't want to say anything. I love Klaus. It's one of my because he's funny. There are there are there's a little bit more um, humanity to him, even though stereotypically when he's here interviews, he's always like, man, whatever. But it's just I just I think there's humanity. There's there's even like some humor to it. Um, where I don't see that in, in, in Burns. Burns is like stress. It's always stress. Even with Big Baby, it's stress. Like yeah, dead tension, bump. right? Yeah, but I think Klaus is more about like the story and the characters and yeah, but but the they do the, is, the I had trouble with the ending. Oh yeah, just one more thing about the art. I oh yeah, agree. yeah. Sorry, there are contemporaries, so I do think that the art is pretty similar. Like especially like when the way like the women look back at the men or like people look back over their shoulder, it's always like, it's pretty, 
similar anyway. But yeah, the end. No, I think I, I think it. the art is just outstanding here. Mm -hmm. um, the people are a little stiff looking to me, but I think that's first of all that's Klaus style, yeah, especially at that time frame. But also, I think it kind of fits the story in an interesting way. Yeah, uh, there's this feeling that the characters are going through the motions in some way. That they're kind of not maybe not going through the motions, but almost like inside their bodies and out of their bodies at the same time. Mm -hmm. If that makes mm -hmm. any sense, that um, mm -hmm. they're a little plastic because they're fitting their same patterns over and over again, mm -hmm. and that makes them, in some ways, automatons in their own ways. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I I love the art. I think I actually see a lot of influence. Um, one of my favorite cartoonists is Rich Tommaso. I see a lot of influence with Tommaso. I see uh, Sammy Harkum even a little bit towards the end. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, my first comic, <laughs> uh, uh, I drew, I got a lot of influence from his art, so. I see Tommaso in this a lot. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Tomas, old, old Klaus stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so the ending, I uh I loved it. So can I read one part about this ending? I were I, I loved like the where he says, we graciously accept this happy ending and recognize it as such a suspended pocket of stillness between climax and oblivion, which is basically what it is. Like it's climax, but it's not really like it's the, uh, oh no, no. Um, there's a part where he's asking Klaus to give us like a decent ending, please. I feel like that that's, he's actually thanking for the ending of the book and then, ending of the comic this way and then if you look at the last page you know the ending page and and right next to it is the cast yeah so this is actually a movie so it might not even be true so actually to your point some of this could be just imagine an artist's imagination and like actually like fake you know like because, you know, memory, you know, how, like, if somebody's trying to recreate what happened they, into art form, it's going to be different than what really happened. Yeah. And so there's this level of the second level of artifice to the whole thing. It's really about recreating this in this kind of cinematic way. And you, you could see allusions to that. I didn't really think about that much, but like at the, especially at the beginning of chapter three, there's the fake movie posters, lobby cards, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. that make the movie make the book seem much more dramatic than it actually is and list the cast members there mm -hmm. i'm and judy it's called on chapter at the beginning of chapter three mm -hmm. they have like featured extras he's got featured extras yeah with, like, names some of them are related too <laughs> it's so funny there's so another thing you do feel like the last page is a happy ending though i do feel it's a happy ending but then if you go to the page before uh page 
115 panel three or panel one, two, three, he's like, I spot an edge of a fugitive yellow streak panel under the floor molding in my room. It's one I don't remember ever having seen before. My father wasn't much for endings, I guess. And it's like, boom, the end. That could be the ending of the book too, right there. Right, right. Dot has her epiphany. They stand out in the rain, almost like they're getting purged of their sins. And then Dot kind of takes on this image of this parental figure holding a baby. Mm -hmm. uh, David's sitting there with his arms crossed in an X. Like, you know, he's over his, over his genitals. Mm -hmm. And then she's wearing a swimsuit when she's holding the baby in panel one in the last page. David has an X over his genitals and then they're naked in the last couple panels mm -hmm. as if he is kind of through this connection to a baby and a, and a, a, a you know, the furtherance in some way of his humanity or something, mm -hmm. he's freed. He's almost reborn. Mm -hmm. And he and Dot are almost reborn. Is that kind of, do you read it the same way? Well, the way I thought about it is that he ends up living the rest of his life with two women that he loves and love him. So with Dot, he gets the love from the woman. So the woman who loves him spiritually, but not physically, which is Dot. And then you, he's with the woman that he loves, like the, the imagine, I guess the, the ideal woman that he's in love with. Um, it, it's, it's actually kind of ambiguous. It's not, but it, he does end up with people that he loves. The one person that he loves and one the other person that loves him back unconditionally because he doesn't have to do anything for dot dot saved his life dot you know do all those all these other things uh, and it doesn't have to be physical although i never really thought about it because he once goes and kisses his cousin which that kind of ruins my theory but i thought that like he's had sex all the while with women he wasn't in love with and now he gets to live with two women that represent all aspects of a romantic relationship outside of sex. So he's gonna be with any, everything about romance and relationships between a man and a woman is represented by two women that technically he wouldn't have sex with because it's not quote unquote natural to be with your cousin or with a woman who's not attracted to you, mm -hmm. his dog, physically. But there's attracted. still a few perfect weeks he finds this bliss for a sh for this amount of time. Mm -hmm. He knows it's imper impermanent, but at least it's some amount of happiness. Yeah. But it's also weird, right? It's also weird. It's like kissing yeah. your cousin. And it's just, he's kissing his cousin. He idealized his cousin. His cousin yeah. is the reason he had this whole sexual identity from the beginning. Yeah. Right. That she's and, this perfect woman. And there's no responsibility anymore because Dot's going to take care of the baby. So he now can, not, here's his chance. <laughs> it, it sounds, the more we talk about it, it does sound kind of creepy. I think it is kind of <laughs> creepy. 
I think it is kind of creepy, but Klaus doesn't judge the character. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he doesn't. It's great, man. This book is so good. Yeah, and it's a great graphic novel, too, because it uses the graphic novel format to tell the story in this way that you could never tell a story otherwise mm -hmm. with allu visual illusions and scene cutting and uh, visual throwbacks. It's just yeah. so smartly done. Yeah. And this book appeared on three issues, uh, 19 through 21 of 8-Ball. Which are not my originals to see how it's different, but uh, I remembered it being I remember it being similar anyway. The originals were not reprinted in the Fantagraphics one, uh, you know, compilation. It's, that one is one through 18. Okay. That's just for all the collector nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I got them somewhere in the garage, but uh, I'm happy to have them. Oh, man. I buy Klaus even if I have I have three triple copies of this, you know, trade paperback, hardcover, which is signed, and uh, issues. I'm jealous. I only have a couple of books signed by him. I met him you know, when I met him in Portland. He signed Patience for me. Oh, cool! And I brought like a velvet glove, cast an iron to have him sign that for me also. Oh, you know, that's not, oh, no, no, I have a version of that, that's signed, but it wasn't signed. I wasn't there for it, but yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for talking clouds with me. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. This is really a lot of fun. I had a fun, fun time reading it. Oh, thank you.